1: Okay, we'll now transition over to Mackie and Judd, which with the hosts Matthew Collar and Courtney Cronin this morning. How you two doing? Uh, I do not generally complain about the cold, but it's a little too cold, John. It's Fair just enough. too cold. Don't be talking about Aruba over there. It's too okay. cold.
0: I just read when I'm, what I'm told to read. <laughs>
1: <laughs> you, you'd work well with Belichick. Do them. your okay. job. Yeah. <laughs> Mackie and Judd. See you in- <laughs>
0: We get things rolling with the opening bell want to ring the bell you know it's about momentum it's need to win you know it's it's important to get a home game uh to get a buy i mean you know if you if you if you can get a buy it's like winning two games in one day you know it's it's pretty huge so um we need to go out and win
1: that's minnesota vikings head coach mike zimmer matthew collar and espn's courtney cronin uh, riding shotgun here for the first time. How are you this morning, Courtney?
0: I'm getting there. Um I've got I'm on Red Bull number two oh, of, wow. of the morning. So uh, it's you know by ten o'clock, I'll be ready to go. So I just don't listen this
1: first hour, in other words, I'm not a coffee person either, so I've got the two diet Cokes going. You got the two, you're, you're a little more intense than I am with the Red Bulls. This is um, my
0: twenty seventeen New Year's resolution to give this up, and I lasted till about. Week nine of the uh, NFL season. I was I was clean there for a little bit, but, oh. you know, uh, things happen.
1: Speaking of the NFL season, week 17 this week, Vikings and Chicago Bears. What is the biggest thing that we are looking for with this game? Because momentum or whatever... I don't even know what to make of that when we're talking about whether they have it or they don't have it. or well, you know, Whether it goes stuff. away, but, whether <laughs> you can get it back. right? right. Whether you lost but, it and then you found it. Whether you can order it on Amazon and have it brought right to your house. <laughs> That's definitely part of the prime package. Momentum always
0: comes <laughs> right. with free two-day shipping. Th-
1: there's no way that they lose this game against the Bears, right?
0: No way. And I mean, I think that the key is you stop Jordan Howard early and then the game from there is is what you make of it. I mean, this should be a pretty a pretty handed win for the Vikings in week 17. They're playing at home. They have an incredible home field advantage in terms of you know what they've done defensively this season in in the games that they've played in the seven games that they've played there already and an outscoring opponents 175 to 90. So, for me, this is keep keep it going while it's hot right now you don't want to limp your way into the playoffs with a loss in week 17 you don't want to start out in the wild card round so you know get the win here and then take some time off because this is why you're not you're not hearing them resting starters and that the talk about that because they know that that week of rest comes next week when they're sitting at home watching everybody in the wild card round.
1: They would still need uh, a lot to go wrong, even if they lost this game, in order to not have that week off. But if they did, it would be one of those things where uh, those the people who tweet us about all the things that are going to go wrong for the Vikings, that would that would validate them in their theories about what's about to blow up as the Vikings head into the playoffs. I'm I'm really intrigued by the Bears, which might be the first time that I've ever said that in my entire life that I'm intrigued by the Bears. Going back to uh, you're
0: not thinking back to like the oh five oh six all that. You weren't I intrigued. I don't back think then? they.
1: I don't think they were intriguing with Kyle Orton and Dick Geron and a good defense, but a quarterback who couldn't throw the ball more than eight yards. Maybe the last time they were intriguing was when I thought Cade McNown was going to be a good quarterback.
0: He was my face favorite worst Bears quarterback. If that's a thing. I I
1: think him being named Cade McNown and being left-handed and being so (laughs) hyped, like he he sticks out in your mind. A lot of the other ones can just roll right through. Moses Moreno, I think, was a guy that was a quarterback for them. I mean, they had a, a ton, but for whatever reason, he sticks out a lot. And it looks to me now like they have a quarterback in Mitch Trubisky. It's hard to say, you know, last year Carson Wentz looked like garbage and then now he's really good. Um, So things can change from year to year. Johnny Manziel looked good for a game and then did lots of cocaine and wasn't good anymore. Um, But I think the Bears are a team that are on the right track and are still kind of good and will be trying to win this game, unlike, say, the Cincinnati Bengals or the Packers, who were just a garbage fire last uh, week.
0: Yeah, and I mean, that's the tricky part about a Bears team like this, where, you know, in previous years, whether it's, you know, the uh the fake punt for the touchdown or, you know, the onside kick that they tried, I believe that was the 2016 season. Um, you never know what you're gonna get, I think, with a team like this. I think it's that's the tricky part where what do they have to play for? I think they have to play for their future. But they've got they've they've got they've got the ingredients now with a really strong backfield, with Mitch Trubisky, with their offensive line, a few more pieces here and there in the draft, and they're right there in the nfc north maybe that maybe the lions kind of dip a little bit and obviously you don't know you know how's aaron Rodgers going to come back next year i mean obviously some health and some time away will probably do him some good but you know now's their chance i think to make a statement in this division uh with where the vikings are and their uptick this season and i think that that's what they have to play for and that's why it makes it so tricky because you never know what you're gonna get. I mean, look at what the Packers did last week. They went for it four times on fourth down. Even Mike Zimmer, when I asked him about it Sunday, said, "Yeah, I don't think they were expecting them to go for it right. on that yeah. many deep shots um, late in the game. You know, three times there in the fourth quarter. Obviously, the fourth one picked off by um, by Harrison Smith. But yeah, you didn't get that. You didn't get that sense that the Bengals felt like they had much to play for, even though they no. had three games remaining. But they did beat the Lions. So I mean. You know, everything, I guess everything kind of has its way of coming around.
1: Yeah, the Bengals looked defeated just um, almost immediately as the ball was kicked off in the game. Like the Vikings drove down and they scored and then it was just like over after that. Um, This game, I think I've already just written it in as a win and maybe that's not fair because of how much better the Vikings are than the Bears. But the Bears have a top 10 defense in both passing and rushing, and maybe it's not a team that we should take completely seriously. But um, I'm kind of curious about how people are watching this Week 17 game, if the dread sets in now, or if you're confident now and then the dread sets in with the playoffs, who do you want to face in the playoffs? This is sort of a, a question we've been talking about a little bit throughout this week to different guests and who you want to face and who you don't want to face. I think the Vikings were paid some respect by the Rams, that the Rams are basically losing this week on purpose.
0: Well, I mean, take a look at their They're fitting all their starters. I kind of get their situation. Granted, that could hurt the Vikings if, you know, if for some reason they were to lose that game and it did come down to the fourth possible scenario where they needed the Rams to win, Um, you know, or obviously if you know the number two scenario i believe i guess i'm just kind of reading this in my head would be if the panthers uh won that game if the vikings were to lose but the rams i kind of understand that position because the highest seed that they can get is a three the lowest they can fall because they're you know their conference champion their division champion is the four seed so as sean mcveigh said it's you know it's a time for other guys to potentially sta- step up into those position you know with what you expect, kind of from a Week 17 game, where 49ers have been out of it for several weeks, um, and the Rams are in a position now to, you know, just kind of get set, get ready. And I mean, this is their chance to rest because they know where they're going to be next week. So I think that that's kind of, I think that's kind of to be expected at this point.
1: Ding, ding. We'll see it when we practice. You know. I mean, all I've done is talk to him. I haven't watched him work out or do any of those things, but I think we'll get him back practicing next week, yeah. Okay, who is he talking about there, Jonathan? Sam Bradford. Oh, Sam Bradford. Yeah. That's right. Well, they're dinged up a little bit on the offensive line, but we were talking about this a little earlier this week that uh, Sam Bradford will return to practice next week, opening the door for him to be the backup quarterback, potentially, Or it could be Teddy Bridgewater as well. You and I, Courtney, kicked this around a little bit on the Purple Podcast. Cheap plug if anyone wants to check it out if you have not already. What is your hot take on who should be the backup quarterback when the Vikings get to the playoffs if Sam Bradford is 100% healthy?
0: I said yesterday, and I'll stick with it just for the sake of an argument, that it should be Sam Bradford. I mean, he hasn't, you know, it's been 16 weeks. It will have been... I guess a full 17 weeks at that point if, you know, if they are going to activate him. I mean, that's something that still remains to be seen, whether he gets back in practice. I mean, that's all you know, he's saying he's he feels good, that his knee feels good, that he's ready to go. That's what Mike Zimmer relayed to us earlier in the week. Now it's a matter of, okay, is that knee going to hold up during a game? Are we not going to have a repeat of what happened Week Five, which was probably one of the sadder moments for this Vikings team this season? Watching a clearly impaired uh, Bradford hobble off the field after being sacked four times. So the reason I think that he would be the backup to to what Ke- to 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 Keenum should something you know and need to go in a game should something happen. Um, is because potentially, I mean, if they do face New Orleans again, if somehow, you know, that ended up being a scenario, he's already defeated them once once this season, I think there's probably going to be less rust there than what you saw with Teddy Bridgewater. I could change my opinion on it if Bridgewater does get substantial more than just fourth fourth quarter time. This weekend, that which, should
1: be their goal. I think. I think their goal should be to beat down the Bears as much as possible to get Bridgewater a half of football. I would
0: like to see him start the second half. I think that, that in order to determine whether he's going to be ready to go for the playoffs, in in, in determining who's going to back up Keenum, you need to get him a full half. Two, because if, if he doesn't,
1: if he doesn't play at all in this game, if he doesn't even get a quarter or a half, then. You go into the playoff game feeling like if you have to turn it to him, if Sam Bradford proves in practice that he isn't ready and Keenum gets hurt or struggles really badly in your way down in a game and you want to turn it to Teddy Bridgewater, you don't really know what you have still. Those two passes against Cincinnati, both of which were dropped, you don't really uh, make a whole lot out of that. I think that Bridgewater might have the advantage of being the backup quarterback just because he's practiced. He spent all this time, he's never been on the injury report, coming to practice every day, where Bradford has had to go get surgery on his knee. He's seeing experts. He's kind of all over the place, where Bridgewater seems like he's back to whatever highest percentage he could be at and would be ready to go in. Uh, But the last time we saw Sam Bradford, he went 25 for 32 and threw three touchdowns against the Saints. That playoff game might very well be against the Saints. Gets it off the glass. Lay down the shot clock. Here comes Milwaukee. Yes. He has Bledsoe in the corner. For, three. Oh, Bledsoe, the this game for Milwaukee. So yesterday, we spent a lot of the day just talking about how I'm going to tattoo Jimmy Butler's face on my body because I like him you, a lot. You're
0: really riding the Jimmy Butler train right now. I
1: am. I am. I, he has quickly become one of my favorite basketball players ever because of how hard he plays all the time that he wants the ball at the end of games, he's talented, he plays defense, but Giannis Antetokounmpo did a Euro step around him last night that was (laughs) unbelievable, and they blow a big lead last night, and I think kind of a product of just being tired, worn down from the night before, playing in overtime. There was one play where Jimmy Butler keeps a play alive at the end of the game, and he's got an open three, and it came up short, and it just looked like one of those, uh, the guys, he doesn't have legs left. At the second of a back-to-back, you had to go on the road. He just doesn't have the legs left to win it. But, you know, another exciting Wolves game, though. And even as upset as you could get that they blew a lead for the second straight night, that they were way up and should have had a much easier win than they had, the fact that these games on a nightly basis are enjoyable to watch and are close at the end has made me like watching this Wolves team, even though I think they drive some people crazy.
0: It's been a good week for the NBA. I mean, you see, a good week for the T-Wolves, all things considered. I mean, a really good win on Christmas Day, the end of the, you know, they're, all the big marquee matchups. And I think that it was a smart move, you know, a couple years ago from, from the NBA of doing this consistently and where you have a really good Warriors-Cavs game Unlike the Warriors-Cavs game of a year ago in Cleveland on Christmas Day, and then and then you cap off the night with, you know, obviously the Lakers are a hot story, the T-Wolves are a hot story, um, and riding that momentum oh. into into the game Wednesday night with Jimmy Butler and what thirty-nine points, new career high against the Nuggets. I mean, it's tough on the end of a back-to-back, and I know that with the extension of spreading out the schedule, it's supposed to eliminate more of those games and you're not going to win you're not going to win that battle entirely but i do think it is you know where we're at right now where competitive games in december are so were so few and far between i remember covering the warriors last year the only regular season game i can pull out of my hat that actually meant something was that december 1st double overtime game against the rockets that was the only good game in my opinion last december in the nba and now look at it i mean i think that you know, the landscape of the NBA is changing to where they're able to pick off some of this audience um, from other sports as the NFL is apparently in a decline, the narrative that we're being thrown out. Um, and now you're seeing it, you know, come to fruition. And, and it's, you know, I think it's it, they've, they've got a good fan base. And what we're seeing now is that translating to meaningful games. And people want to watch the NBA in the regular season.
1: And that was kind of the criticism when the Warriors built up their mega team of the NBA was, well, why should I watch? Because I know who's going to be there when it comes to the end of the year, that it's going to be Cavs and Warriors. And I I don't know that that's going to happen this year. I think the Rockets, uh, the door is open. The Wolves, we talked about it a little bit yesterday with where they should be at the end of the year, that we should expect them to win a playoff round. We should expect them to have a season that they could build on, but I didn't expect this to be perfect. I just wanted it to be fun, and it is fun so far. Matthew Collar, ESPN's Courtney Cronin, Jonathan producing. When we come back, some allegations against Miguel Sano that could affect his future in Minnesota. Uh, Matt and Courtney in for Mackie and Judd. And this portion of, of Mackie and Judd brought to you by Mauer Chef. Lucky 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 I'm right, Matthew Collar along with ESPN's lucky Courtney Cronin here, 1500 ESPN, in for Mackie and Judd. They will be back next week, and uh, Judd and I will be on tomorrow for Saturday Sports Talk from uh, 10 to noon. And two things that if you don't usually listen to Saturday Sports Talk, I think you're going to want to uh, because Judd and I are going to break down every single bowl game that I've watched so far this year. What, you're not a bowl game watcher? I like the bowl. I'll watch
0: watch the Music City Bowl today because Northwestern's in it Um, and my family's huge Northwestern fans. I will do that, but... I'm not going to watch something, something, something something.com bowl or the, the Florida state team that should not have been, but somehow got through three levels of checkpoints to somehow get into the independence bowl. I mean, it's,
1: I don't think the NCAA would ever make a mistake. So I just disagree with you on that. Um, The the bowl games are great because you never know what's going to happen. It's always crazy. Uh, The other night, A snap went flying 20 yards through the back of the end zone. Um, There was a crazy TCU and Stanford game last night where there's big touchdowns going back and forth. Uh, The final score is in the high 30s. the, The punter won the player of the game award in one of these things. It's always crazy and always fun. And I don't care about them at all. So I could just watch and yell at my TV or laugh or whatever it might be. I don't have to care about it. I don't have to think about sports topics relating to it. I could just be like, get up <laughs> <laughs> throw it. <laughs> you know? well, I mean, it's it's fun to have football on at this time of year. I know a lot of
0: people are off between Christmas and New Year's. And I mean, I'm looking forward to the college football playoff and the national championship game. I think we got one of the better ones last year, and I'm excited to see, you know, what happens January, what is it, January ninth? Monday whatever whenever. the monday whatever yeah, the whenever. first monday is after the AFC NFC wild card weekend.
1: See this is the best part is you could ask me almost anything about it and I really wouldn't know or care. Like oh uh, what about that quarterback that's playing in that game? Like I don't know. I yeah I saw him. We but haven't seen That's the best part.
0: And the one thing I think that is interesting this year is you haven't seen too much of, I remember last year people were making a huge deal of Christian McCaffrey not going to the Sun Bowl. And oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You haven't seen too much of that backlash from some players that decided to sit it out. Um, but you also haven't seen any, like, really dominant performances uh, where guys have increased their draft stock. I know Solomon Thomas did that in that same Sun Bowl game last year with the four sacks on. Who? Who'd they play? I don't remember. You didn't watch Stanford, North Carolina, oh, Mitchell oh, Trubisky. Uh, oh, Mitchell Trubisky. Oh, that's yeah, right. Just, I'm i mean, he was, bringing everything back. Yeah, he, was, just...
1: he wasn't very good in that game. And no, yet, he was not he was still drafted well, was, high. you know, his first year as a starter. So, well, that's the other best part about the bowl games is that I'll watch them and never remember anything about them ever again. It's almost like preseason football to me. And that's part of it is because these guys sit out. There's no fans. They're like the, the, the crowds for most of these, if it's not the national championship are like 94 people. It's just a you-know-what show, and that's why I like it, because because it's just—the uh, part of it is that it's just on. It's like the NCAA tournament with basketball, for the most part. I'm not rooting for anyone, but it's on, so it's going to be on my TV because it's sports because that's better than having General Hospital on. Um,
0: is that still on TV? I don't know. So, well, it, the, I think it makes up for the fact that they didn't do the 24-hour college basketball tip-off this year. That was my favorite thing to watch oh, yeah, in the last yeah. few
1: years, and— Just leave the TV on one channel.
0: Yeah, I mean, there's, there's, I'm sure there's some good bowl games coming up as we get closer to the ones that you know have bigger implications for, and then obviously the college football playoff.
1: So let me, um, let me shift gears here. Sorry for the uh, transition, but I wanted to get to this at the beginning of the show because uh, it's turned into very quickly the biggest sports story that is happening right now. I think in the Twin Cities. Um, as as much as I would love to continue to break down the bowl games for you. We
0: can talk about your yeah. prop bets later.
1: <laughs> yeah, yes, Jonathan is working on that. He's working on, <laughs> I saw some Twitter followers uh, gambling on different things that happen within the bowl games. So not just the bowl games, but things that happen within them. And I don't gamble on sports, but I like watching other people do it. I feel the same way about boating. Like, I don't really want to go out on the boats, but I like that you're doing it. And I'll sit over here on land and watch you do that. Um, Anyway, so Miguel Sano, his situation. Uh, A photographer here in the Twin Cities accused Miguel Sano of uh, assaulting her back in 2015. This dropped in a Twitter post on Thursday, uh, something that I don't think anybody knew about or saw coming until it was put out there. And where we stand right now is the team has said that they're aware of the allegations, taking them seriously. Um, Miguel Sano has unequivocally denied them, and Major League Baseball is uh, investigating. What he's accused of doing is uh, essentially grabbing a female photographer and trying to pull her into uh, a bathroom, more or less, and she fought kind of back and forth with him Is is her story that she posted on Twitter. And that's kind of where we stand. And with Sano, we had already been talking about the possibility of him as a potential trade target. And there's many different ways you could go off of this. But if we start with the very baseballness of having a player that's been accused of um, now assaulting this photographer, it, it, it certainly makes you wonder what his future is in Minnesota. And I also think if they were trying to trade him before, his value would have been quite high. And this would very likely concern other teams that might have been about to give you an ace pitcher.
0: Yeah. And that's if if this is a situation now where his value as a third baseman, I mean, he's obviously coming off of two seasons where he missed a significant part He played 116 games two years ago, 114 a year ago. Just with the shin injury, um, and now he's coming off surgery, his value as of 24 hours ago as a third baseman power hitter was pretty high. And and if you wanted to bring in another starting pitcher here to go with Erwin Santana and Jose Barrios, I think you'd be in a good position to do that. Now I'm not so sure because— you know, two two years ago, the um, the Players Association and Major League Baseball came to an agreement, um, you know, with the policy on sexual assault, domestic violence, child abuse, like kind of all bundled, bundled it, I believe, in one. And there was, you know, there's a lot of gray area here because there's no minimum and or maximum penalty there. So I think this opens up two doors uh, with what, you know, these are allegations at that point to make that clear um but depending upon what comes out of this um you know his trade value is is the you know the first thing we're looking at here but in terms of the policy of what this becomes you know I think that this might open the door for you know a discussion on that as well
1: and if you look at uh, the Dallas Cowboys and the battle they fought over Ezekiel Elliott mm-hmm. the league essentially the NFL said we believe that you did what you're accused of doing and you're going to sit six games. And he fought it, and he fought it, and he fought it. And every week it was a new court case that was coming out and a new injunction against this or that. But at the end of the day, Ezekiel Elliott, because that was the rule of the law, he was suspended for the games he was supposed to be suspended for. And uh, I think it's very possible now that Miguel Sano, because of these allegations, could end up having to sit out of a large chunk of the season. Because of that, I think Major League Baseball tried very hard, if I remember from the reporting in 2015, tried very hard to create a policy that was going to be pretty, uh, I guess, harsh might be the wrong word, but that gives them the room to decide, well, you know what, even if you weren't found guilty in a court of law... We think you're guilty and you're going to be penalized from your job for that. Just the same way that can happen in anybody's job where your employer could say, well, you know what? Even though you weren't arrested for doing something at work, uh, I'm still going to suspend you from work. So Major League Baseball is looking at it the same way.
0: And and the fact that the Players Association agreed upon it is, I think, you know, it's pretty. It, it, that's why the policy can be so stringent to where he says nothing happened as you said he vehemently denied it i believe he spoke with tmz sports about that um in the next few days i'm curious to see what major league baseball comes down with and how long they wait to hand, to hand something down potentially because as far as we know he's rehabbing from the shin surgery right now getting ready for 2018 spring trainings 6 weeks away that's they they have to act pretty quickly on it um you know in order to send a statement you know assuming you know You know, they're acting on it upon upon it right now and, you know, taking into effect both sides of this.
1: It it could be a very difficult situation with uh, Major League Baseball and deciding uh, whether they think the allegations are true or not, because um, it's basically a her word against yours. The one thing is, though, that I think about all the time when I see on Twitter, especially people attacking this person and uh, tweeting Really terrible things about it uh, is when you talk about uh, someone making up a story, why would you want to invite that sort of vitriol that naturally is going to come your way? Every single time this happens, when I was in Buffalo, I covered Patrick Kane, who was accused of sexual assault. And Of course, someone leaked the accuser's name. And then, of course, a flood of here's her address, here's her phone number comes out on Twitter. Here's all these people who back Patrick Kane, who love him in Buffalo because he's from there. That's all these people going after this person and attacking them and and things like that. Um, When I hear the, oh, uh, you know, it's just somebody making it up. Well, I, I always question that because. You, you would invite something that no one would ever want, and you know that, but a lot of women have come out and told their stories, uh, and she used the Me Too hashtag, mm-hmm. and basically have said, well, I'm not going to let that stop me from t- saying what happened, and have had the courage to come out and uh, say what happened to them where they maybe wouldn't have before because you know you're going to get attacked.
0: You know, the thing that I think, the thing that
1: deters people
0: in this to where the people who are going after the accusers of, um, of sexual harassment, of, of violence, of things like that, the victims essentially, are situations like what we saw uh, this fall with Chris Forrester, the offensive line coach of the Dolphins. Granted, there was no sort of sexual harassment, at least, that was in there. It was, it, it, I believe, an adult entertainer. Um, that he was somehow in a relationship with. And then she goes out and says, well, I'm doing this for X, Y, Z reason. And I tend to think, you know, drawing the lines between that and sexual harassment victims coming out and people saying, well, why are you coming out? You have something to gain from this. Those very few incidences where someone's clearly doing something for their own gain, um, as that woman, the one, the Vegas uh, dancer, was saying, you know, she was doing it for... To, to, you know to fight against racial injustice i don't I don't see how that was
1: a thing yeah, that but, was a wild story um
0: I mean that was a stretch like you you hit that one 40 miles the wrong direction that, that was the guy
1: doing blow on well, his office ahead of taping himself ahead right? of
0: an offensive line meeting um but <sighs> i I use that example because I remember a lot of people came out after that and said she's a gold digger she's this she's that she's the other thing I tend to think very small examples like that when there are real victims. Like, you know, I mean, in all of these, as we're saying, again, these are all allegations right now against Miguel Sano, which he vehemently denied. And the photographer, uh, the Twin Cities based photographer came out yesterday. And then there's the back and forth very easily could be true. And, you know, but I think she's already she's not given the benefit of the doubt because of things that, you know, small examples here and there. Where people automatically want to say, "Well, you have something to gain out of this. Why are you coming mm-hmm. out two years later?" And I, you know, looked at looked at her mentions yesterday, and that was the oh, one thing. Why is this coming out? I know I should really I, I've done this long enough. You're that you just I hurting really... yourself
1: by doing that. Yeah, that's. I mentioned something about that before yesterday about arguing with people on Twitter. Like we just we waste so much time, uh, just battling against the stupidest of the possible stupid. And if you tweet something at that person about this situation of which you know nothing about and just like Miguel Sano, so you're going to harass someone on social media, you're a loser and that's a really dumb thing to do. And I have no respect for you if you do it. But yet every single time that's what we see is fans want to back the player immediately. And the thing is that people like ourselves who cover sports on a daily basis as reporters, we know a lot about the culture of sports in general and how women are often viewed and how women are often treated. And maybe just because people on the outside didn't realize this was the case until recently, because we've gotten a lot more stories. This is the case a lot, whether Miguel Sano did this or not. I don't know, but I know this sort of thing happens on a very regular basis with, with athletes and the way they're treating women in locker rooms, it has not happened to you in the Vikings locker room this year. But if you're around long enough, it will, probably if you're a woman reporter in sports. And that's what needs to get out. And that's why people need to tell their stories of what have happened. So someone like Miguel Sano, if he did this, and athletes in the future, they know that you're going to get suspended that they're not just going to be bullied like that, and they're not just going to hide it, and they're not going to be afraid of the Twitter morons who are going to attack you, that you're you're not going to get away with doing stuff like this because athletes have for a really long time.
0: And, and there's the negative part, too, that this will essentially always be attached to his name. Like, regardless of whether it comes out to be true or not, the fact that the allegation was there whether fair or not, is always going to be attached to his name. So I think it really puts you in a position as an athlete, you know, if there was even the slightest hint of doubt of whether you could get away with something like that to to, to go the other way.
1: It's a, a situation that we'll be keeping an eye on. Uh, we'll take a break here because uh, Jonathan is – angrily pointing at me. He's such an angry young man. Um, So we'll, we'll take a break. We'll touch on it again later, but we're going to be just keeping an eye on it and whatever happens from here. I think that right now it comes to a standstill of, okay, we wait until major league baseball investigates and then we'll know whether the twins Uh, will be interested in moving on from him because of this or whether he'll be suspended because of this or whether nothing will come of it. Um, That's what we're going to have to wait and see. So let's turn the page back to some Vikings. Our forte as uh, two regulars out at Winter Park where we... People people don't know where Winter Park really is, but we, we have to cross the street every day and risk our lives to get over to that field house.
0: It won't be that way in three months. That's right. When, we, when the Vikings move to Egan, their beautiful new facility behind, I believe, the airport. It's kind of, if, you, if you're if yeah. you looking from an aerial view. So, yeah, we do risk our lives uh, slipping and sliding in the ice and snow. You're to bring all your, welcome. Yeah, seriously. Merry Christmas.
1: <laughs> uh, I want to ask you if you trust Case Keenum in a playoff game when we come back. Matthew Collar, ESPN's Courtney Cronin, in for Mackey and Judd. At what point of the season did you start feeling comfortable, if that's the right word with the case as your quarterback? Matthew Collar, ESPN's Courtney Cronin here. Oh, what what is that? I'm trying, you know, is that Zimmer? To think back Zimmer the moan the season, but,
0: uh, I don't know, was,
1: I mean, how many games did he played? Ten? Maybe four or five games ago, probably. You know, he just played he's played well. Mike Zimmer there more or less ad- admitting earlier this week that he didn't trust Case Keenum like the rest of us throughout this season, um, but he has grown that trust as the season has gone along. Um, that was my mistake, Jonathan, but that's a, the perfect sound clip to lead in to what I wanted to discuss here with Courtney is whether we trust Case Keenum in a playoff game. And uh, you can chime in on this one, 651-646-8255. If you go into a playoff game against, say, Drew Brees, uh, do you trust Case Keenum to do enough to win? Uh, You know that the defense is going to be good and probably hold any quarterback to a below average day from what they would usually do. Um, At the same time, you need Keenum not to make mistakes or to do enough offensively to get you a win in the playoffs. Courtney, historically, over the last 10 years, it has not been um, anyone else except for elite quarterbacks, Mm -hmm. more or less. Um, There was the debate over whether Joe Flacco was elite, uh, which if you're on the internet, you know all about that.
0: And that was beyond a decade ago to, you know, right? Yeah, that uh, was, it was a
1: uh, when was that? Maybe two thousand nine. So yeah,
0: almost. You're going, I was yeah, getting you're, there.
1: You're going back a little ways.
0: I do my math there.
1: All the other quarterbacks are multiple: Manning's, Roethlisberger, Brady, Breeze. That mm-hmm. those are the guys who win the Super Bowl. And historically, it has gone the other way at times. It's just been it's just been a while, and that right there is hard to get over for me when I look at Case Keenum as the quarterback, I feel like I've seen this story many times with good defenses and just a so-so quarterback or a journeyman quarterback, and usually it's a first round out. I mean, that that tends to be historically what's happened. It's the, the Alex Smith theory.
0: Well, and a lot of that, too. They've started in the first round. I mean, all things considered, they're probably going to be, you know, getting that first round by this weekend. But what did Mike Zimmer say? He, he started to really start to trust him four or five games ago. Is that right? Mm -hmm. So four games ago is the Vikings win 14-9 win in Atlanta where Keenum had that great second half where he was what 18 of 18 and passes over the middle um, in between the numbers or over the middle of the field. And it was just dynamic there in the second half. And the game before that was the fourth quarter comeback or the fourth quarter hang on and win this game in Detroit on Thanksgiving Mm -hmm. Day. A day where Keenum was twenty one to thirty passing, two hundred eighty two yards, two touchdowns, finished with a with a passer rating of one twenty one point eight. So one of his highest of the season. Um it makes sense that it took that it took that long for Mike Zimmer to fully put the you know, I guess, you know, where where he's finally able to admit it five games after that, four or five games, however many, you know, he said. Um, I kinda thought it was the Rams game personally, just because that, you know, before Detroit that sparked it and, and Keenan was able to what they were able to do to league's highest scoring offense obviously defensively, and, and the way that Keenum was able to manage that game, some of the, you know, ducking and diving underneath the mm-hmm. pass rush and, and making these incredible throws, that to me was when I thought Mike Zimmer was going to say, but I understand it, so yeah, what did we say on the Purple Podcast a few weeks ago? Well, who's the team you're most scared of in the playoffs? If you're the Vikings, well, it's, I don't want to face Drew Brees in the playoffs <laughs> yes. if I'm the Vikings. Yes, they were able to get the win over the Saints, yeah, they were able to get the win over the Saints in week one, Sam Bradford is the quarterback, which Also kind of ties into what we were talking about before about why I thought um, he'd be a good backup should he be the backup for Case Keenum. Different team since then, Different team. Very different. Much different team, but defensively, same principles. Much better defense than they've been in the last decade Mm -hmm. there in New Orleans. But, yeah, I mean, could he be, you know, the next one? You know, I guess if you you were throwing Joe Flacco into that, you know, the non-elite guys getting your team far in the playoffs, I think he can. And I think it's just because, you know, one of of the reasons it sticks out to me the most is how good he's been against the Blitz this year. Like, you know, taking QBR and taking all that stuff out of it, um, how good he's been under pressure in sensing pressure and where it's coming from, whether it's from a standard four-man rush or whether it's from the Blitz. I think that that's where we're seeing Keenum succeed. And, I mean, he's killing teams this year. With his legs and his mobility, and it's been an underutilized quality in the first, you know, four years of his NFL career. And now he's in a system with Pat Shermer uh, as the offensive coordinator for the Vikings, to where they're able to get a lot more out of Keenum than has been gotten out of him in previous years. I mean, there's there's a reason he was so good at Houston. Um, You know, it has all these NCAA passer rating passer. Records that still hold true because he was able to do them when he was most comfortable, which is on the run and being able to get out and make some pretty athletic moves. That didn't happen when he was with Houston. That didn't happen when he was with the Rams. It's happening now. And I think that that's probably one of the more dangerous qualities of this Vikings offense because they're a lot less predictable than you think.
1: It was 2012. I didn't go back far enough. Why did I think it was why did Joe I think Flacco. it was like before? It did feel like a lifetime ago that Joe Flacco was in the conversation for Elite. I would like you to guess Joe Flacco's playoff numbers in 2012. And maybe you already know how insane they are. So he's four-0 and won mm-hmm. the Super Bowl. What do you think his quarterback rating was?
0: One oh, 128.
1: Okay, you're a little high. It was 117. He threw eleven touchdowns, zero interceptions, knew, averaged eleven yards part. per attempt.
0: Eight, also, eight is good. He averaged eleven
1: over that four game set, uh, series of games.
0: They also That's had crazy. like ten guys. They were. I mean, it's kind of like the Joe Flacco of last year, where they had like eight guys they were passing the ball to. Very similar makeup of that two thousand and twelve team with how many receivers they had and, and you know guys they were using out of the backfield. I mean, he had a lot of weapons.
1: So. Even though, Joe Flacco, you might not consider him to be the best of the best to win that Super Bowl, he had to go absolutely bananas to do it. They had uh, Anquan Bolden, Torrey Smith. Bolden was great. Bolden was really great that year. Uh, But if you're talking about what type of quarterback performance you usually need— it's like that. I mean, that's why the elite guys usually win. I mean, it, it, this sometimes we can bury ourselves in uh, Trent Dilfer takes or whatever about, hey, Something. maybe our defense or in just even hope and optimism. Maybe, maybe, maybe. Uh, but then when you pull it back, it's either you have to have a good quarterback go nuts. And Eli Manning has had, uh, he's won both MVPs. So he's a good quarterback that went really crazy. Or you have to have one of the best defenses of all time. And I ran through and compared the Vikings defense this year to some of the defenses that have dragged their teams to a Super Bowl, like the Bucs, like the Ravens. And there's some comparison, but even the Seattle Seahawks from a couple years ago, 2013, when they won it, I mean, it was number one in points, number one in yards, number one in pass yards per attempt, number one in turnovers. I mean, across the board, like this Vikings defense is good, but it's not across the board, every single category, they're the best and into the conversation of best of all time. It's just, it's good enough to get you deep, but it won't carry you if Case Keenum doesn't play well. And what sticks in my mind still with Keenum is some of those throws that should have been picked that weren't. And you wonder if they're going to get picked in the playoffs that happened in green Bay. The other night we saw what would you say, three, maybe four passes that were either if the guy turns around, he picks it off, or just right in the hands of the defender? That's what is keeping Mike Zimmer up at night, I think.
0: And the week before, that um, that Brett Favre-type throw to, that George Iloka dropped there on the sideline. I mean, most safeties make that pick, and I think that those types of throws, and even if you go back to the to the Rams game, that miraculous throw that he you know the completion to Adam Thielen I mean more times than not that's not going to work and I do think that that's probably what Mike Zimmer is a little worried about that the excitable case that you know he he's the one who calls him that I mean that's that's been used multiple times um I don't think he was that in Green Bay I just think that they were struggling you know they tried to establish the run early on, and they couldn't, and so he was forced to make some of that. But, you know, they weren't trying a lot of deep passes. They weren't, you know, attempting to to stretch the field that way. They knew because of the weather conditions and I'm sure, you know, the field conditions, um, they had to get the ball out quickly and, and, and do that, you know, using trying to establish a shorter passing game.
1: Let's uh, take a look at the playoff picture and who the Vikings could be matching up if things play out when we come back and some of the games to watch over the weekend here. Later on in the show, we will check in with uh, Jace Frederick from the Pioneer Press, talk a little Wolves with him around 11.45. And my friend from the Toronto Sun, John Mattis, is covering the World Juniors. And there was no real connection to Minnesota for me. Just sort of, okay, World Juniors on TV. Uh, I was treating it like a bowl game. And then last night, Minnesotan Casey Middlestat had the goal of the year. So I want to get uh, John's take on that. And they're playing outdoors World Juniors, and that's become somewhat controversial. So we'll discuss that later on in the show. And uh, let's continue on the Case Keenum trail and get your thoughts. 651-646-8255. Do you trust him when it comes to a big playoff game? Courtney and Matt in for Mackey and Judd. Back here 1500 ESPN, Matthew Collar along with ESPN's Courtney Cronin and uh, talking a lot of different things. Do you trust Case Keenum going into a playoff game? And uh, part of the conversation about that is the dinged up offensive line, which we will get to in uh, just a couple of minutes. Also, uh, Jonathan is putting together some prop bets and uh, something else. On, on bowl games, bowl game prop bets, because that will make my viewing experience even more great as I watch them throughout this weekend. Um, so, looking at the the playoff picture, if the playoffs started today, the Minnesota Vikings would have the first round bye and they would face the winner of the Panthers and the Saints. And on the other side of the bracket, the Eagles would face the winner of the Falcons and the Rams. That can change with a Seattle win and a Falcons loss then Seattle can get in. Uh, it seems to me if I'm reading this correct that Panthers Saints is kind of locked in as long as the Rams lose. If the Rams lose then it's locked in to being Panthers Saints and then the Vikings will play one of those two. I think that's I think.
0: Well no, the Panthers and the Panthers are still the only team that could potentially catch the Vikings because of the one win that they have over Minnesota of all the other teams in there.
1: Yes, but a but a lot would have to go wrong, right? They would have to. The Vikings would have to lose. A number of other things would have to. Yeah, happen. Yeah, I mean, there's multiple there's, scenarios, but yeah. it is
0: it is it's not completely out of the realm of possibility.
1: Right. They've got to wrap it up. A win puts it completely on ice, and a loss for the Vikings would require a couple other things to happen. But Re- it yeah, the would Panthers require, are the only it, team. Yeah. Yeah,
0: it would require them to have to scoreboard watch. So there's all three of those games that the scenarios they need the. They need the Saints to win. They need the Panthers to lose, and they need the Rams to win. All of those games are at 325, so that really screws up your New Year's Eve plans <laughs> if you're thinking right. about it in terms of that.
1: Right, but they could take care of business themselves. Yes. So let's just say that things are the way that they stay. Um, uh, right now, That it would be Panthers and Saints. They're, even though the Vikings lost to the Panthers— there is no question in my mind that that's who they want to face in that game, that they do not want any part of a team that's number one in passing offense or number one or number two. Uh, they fluctuated back and forth with the Patriots this year, uh, but the, the stat that I like to look at is really nerdy adjusted yards per attempt. So they're at the top with mm-hmm. drew Brees. weapons all over improved defense. I would much rather face cam Newton with no wide receivers than I would Drew Brees with the two great running backs, wide receivers, improved offensive line, better defense, even though Cam Newton beat the Vikings a couple weeks ago.
0: And it's a different Saints team that you saw in week one. As I said, you know, with the Sam Bradford argument, fundamentally it's still the same group of personnel, but it's a a very different, they're a much better defense now than they were week one. And I think it's an advantage, too, that what you saw In week, what was it, week 14 against the Panthers? I mean, you were playing, they were playing on the road there. They were, there were a lot of mental mistakes in that game. You know, it took them till about the third quarter, uh, to really put a clamp down. But even still, I mean, you know, some busted coverage there on the Cam Newton, you know, big return. And, um, you know, after the after the Andrew Sendejo uh, interception, the big run by how long was that sixty eight, sixty nine yards, something like that, because of a misgap assignment. I mean, that stuff doesn't carry over, especially with this team. And it's what Mike Zimmer said that that loss woke them up. Um, I think you'd see a much different Vikings team. Against the Panthers, and it wasn't that long ago. I mean, that's you know, if they get this first round by, they're they're game planning for two teams they've already seen, and you know, assuming this picture stays the way it and it should, um, in that round. So, I, yeah, I think that that's definitely the matchup that they want to draw. Not Drew Brees. I mean, Drew Brees is not going to be throwing the interception that he did um, against Atlanta like, a few weeks ago. I just That's not what you're going to see from him in the playoffs.
1: Tight end should have knocked that ball down anyway. Yeah. If uh, you're nervous about the Vikings going into the playoffs, um, I'm going to make it worse for you when we come back and talk about the offensive line and uh, their health. Also, Case Keenum, do you trust him? And a good tweet that um, m- might help us out with our issue at Winter Park of us almost getting hit by cars. Uh, Courtney and Matt in for Mackey and Judd.